Aldous Huxley said, There was a little hill behind the house. You climbed it, and there was the whole sky from horizon to horizon. 180 degrees of brute, inexplicable mystery. It was a good place for just sitting and saying nothing. Welcome to the Soul Podcast. I'm Stacy Wheeler. The natural world is a grand mystery, and we ourselves are part of the natural world. And consciousness is perhaps the grandest of what Huxley calls brute, inexplicable mystery. We've been trying to make sense of it for millennia. The great philosophers, poets, and mystics have crashed against the shores of that great mystery of humanity throughout history, and in the process, barely eroded that mystery. It seems not all things in the natural world are explainable, and it also seems some minds are not okay with that truth. These are the people who like to make sense of all things. When they cannot, they label them as an anomaly in the research or call them unexplainable spiritual nonsense or something. For others like you and me, we know the truth. And the truth is, we don't have to prove a thing. The mysteries of life are beautiful and perfect. Perhaps nothing's more uncomfortable to the materialist mind than a thing that is measurable, yet unexplainable by the scientific method. Today we're going to look at an experiment that left researchers baffled. So baffled, in fact, that they simply gave up trying to explain it, and most have walked away from it. On June 7, 1993, a group of 4,000 meditators began a two-month experiment in Washington, D.C. The lofty goal of their nearly 60-day experiment seemed laughable to some. Did they really think they could achieve such a thing? And what were they hoping to accomplish? To reduce the crime rates in the city by meditating. The idea began in 1960 when Maharishi Mahesh Yogi argued that 1% of a population practicing the transcendental meditation technique would produce measurable improvements in the quality of life for the whole population. In 1975, a group of people put it to the test and found that in cities and towns all over the world, where as little as 1% of the population practiced this meditation technique, the trend of rising crime rates was measurably reversed. Since the first experiment, it's been called the Maharishi Effect. The Maharishi Effect has established the principle that individual consciousness affects collective consciousness. Though we can't conclusively prove why, groups of individuals can make a difference in their societies and in the world through thought and intention alone. More than 50 scientific studies have been done over the past 40 plus years, and the results consistently show this sort of meditation works. When the Washington DC experiment ended in July 1993, the results were tabulated and the findings were unexplainable through any method of scientific measurement. The violent crime rates had dropped by nearly a quarter during that period, 23.3% to be exact. Though this may not seem like much, the numbers don't lie. The statistical probability that a chance variation in crime levels could happen like this was less than 2 in 1 billion. 2 in 1 billion. So statistically, it's so incredibly unlikely. To put this into context, the odds of winning the Powerball jackpot is less than 1 in 300 million significantly less than this. So if my math is right, the odds of this outcome of the Maharishi effect having this sort of effect through just meditating is like a person winning the Powerball jackpot more than three times. Math is not my best strength, so that's far from exact. But just know that the result of the experiment was massively significant. 
There's no reasonable explanation for how a group of people can reduce violent crime through meditation alone, but they keep doing it every time they do this research. This experiment has been done many times. On many occasions, it's been done remotely, meaning a group of transcendental meditators not located in a specific location meditated with the intention of reducing violence around the world. Sometimes they focused on specific locations, the Middle East or something like that. Sometimes they just focused on peace in general. These goals were documented before and found to be effective. Crime rate reduction in the areas focused on were no less than 11% in those cities around the world. It's been shown that a group can accurately predict they will reduce violent crime rates through meditation. It's measurable and it's undeniable. If you look at the whole picture of violent crime, every single time violent crime rates drop. And this consistent result seems to drive many scientific minds crazy. When scientists can't prove a thing, their response to it is to put forward theories. The most prominent theory about the Maharishi effect is the idea that it's possibly because of the unified field of consciousness. The unified field is an idea explored by scientific minds as far back as 1820 and further developed by Einstein and others since then. Dr. John Haglin, a Harvard-educated physicist and retired Stanford University professor, says that the great range of distance of the Maharishi effect, which was demonstrated by the remote meditators, could only be understood to be produced as a result of the unified field. But it's also noteworthy that there is an ancient field theory that massively outdates the one first suggested in 1820. Around 1500 years BC, Vedic Rishis of ancient India taught that an all-encompassing field of pure consciousness exists, and we are all part of it. The unified field is far from a new idea, and has its roots in spiritual places. Dr. Haglund seems to agree. He said, A great unification is now taking place between science and spirituality. The most advanced discoveries of modern science are rising to reaffirm the timeless wisdom of the great religious and spiritual traditions of every culture. The Maharishi effect has repeatedly shown that human intention is much more powerful than we currently understand as a society. We have the ability to change the world through thoughts and intentions, and it happens on an individual level. And I think we all understand this on a micro level. We've all experienced a grumpy coworker or a family member. Their negativity rubs off on everyone else who's around them makes the emotional air around them seem less enjoyable. But also consider a positive, upbeat friend, coworker, or family member. Just being in the room with that person can brighten your day. So if you take a large group of people with a positive attitude towards the world, why would it not have the same sort of effect, but much more intensely because it's a larger group? So it's easy to understand on some level. But the big question is, how is this effect transmitted long distance? And again, the most likely answer is the unified field. This may seem a little woo-woo, right? A little out there. But think about it for a moment. Every day we use invisible radio waves in our daily life for things like cell phones, Wi-Fi, car radios. Invisible waves in the air that carry messages to our ears. Somehow we're not amazed by this sort of magic because we've been told how it works or we've been told that it works. That someone with a scientific mind said, yeah, yeah, this is normal and acceptable. Even though most of us can't explain the process ourselves, we just sort of accept it. So why haven't we embraced the idea that good intentions can also be transmitted on invisible waves through the air? Is that any more absurd than what we already accept is true? 
especially since the capacity to reduce violent crime has been proven many times over in nearly five decades of research. Do we need the rubber stamp of approval from the scientific community in order to implement a newly discovered human capacity? Perhaps the Maharishi effect is so amazing we struggle to believe it ourselves. What if tomorrow there was a scientific consensus that the effect is scientific fact? What if they came out and said, yep, this is real, it works? Would we put it to use right then? Or would we as a society continue to allow violence to happen that we have the power to reduce simply through the power of positive thought? Are we on the edge of understanding our true potential as a societal group and how deeply we're all connected within the unified field? David Edwards, PhD, who's a professor of government at University of Texas, Austin, said this about the Maharishi effect and its potential to change the world. I think the claim can be plausibly made that the potential impact of this research exceeds that of any other ongoing social or psychological research program. It has survived a broader array of statistical tests than most research in the field of conflict resolution. This work and the theory that informs it deserves the most serious consideration by academics and policymakers. In our daily lives, we're surrounded by what Huxley called brute, inexplicable mystery. And many of the spiritual among us are willing to risk looking foolish as they sit and meditate for peace. And what a gift it is that they've been willing to. Because of them, we're beginning to understand the power we hold within our collective intention. What intention are you putting into the world? What energies of yours are being carried on the invisible waves through the unified field of consciousness? Today, consider your great role in making the world a more peaceful place. Every one of us is an energy source, and only you can choose. Will the energy you transmit be negative or positive energy? If 1% of the world population can improve the world by nearly 25%, let's all aim to be part of that 1%. Thank you for listening to the Soul Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, learned something new, or were just entertained, please tell your friends about the show. This is the best way for people to find the show. Check the show notes for links to supporting information, as well as any books or other reading material related to this episode.